you get your start? Maybe. What start? In movies. Quite continental. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. I guess I was discovered. Men broke home as girls. I know you're supposed to get used to it. And we all lose our charm in the end. But I just can't. based on a true podcast our bonus show where we look at biopics about old hollywood stars and boy do we have a doozy for you today you probably knew it was coming it just hit netflix on september 28th but we are talking about the marilyn monroe biopic blonde and i'm joined with an amazing guest an expert in the marilyn field or really any blonde actress of the old hollywood era that you might want to know about it's Miss April VVA. April, how are you? I'm doing very well. And thank you so much, Kristen, for having me. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about this, I'm going to say, very, very heinous movie. I've been grousing about this movie since it was announced. It's been gestating in Hollywood for several years. Naomi Watts was originally attached to this. Then Jessica Chastain was attached to this after The Help. Now we are here with the finished product with Ana de Armas, directed by and written by Andrew Dominic. Oh, I didn't want it when it was announced, but I didn't realize until I actually saw it how much I feel like I love Marilyn. But I think we can all agree I'm done with Marilyn biopics. I don't want another one. To my knowledge, this is at least the 12th biopic studio made for tv and fan biopics they do exist as well i'm tired we need to move on she's not going to lose her cultural relevancy if we are not portraying her on the screen nonstop. there's the good the bad and the ugly i know kristen obviously that you and i both have a soft spot for the secret life of marilyn monroe and this is basically polar opposite I would recommend that if anybody hasn't listened to the episode we did about the secret life of Marilyn Monroe, it is definitely worth listening to. It's my favorite. I maintain it's the best. And there's a reason for that, which we're going to get into. So I acknowledge 10 biopics. Of course, that number fluctuates depending on what you count as a Marilyn movie. There have been overt biopics that say this is Marilyn Monroe. There have been ones that say, oh, this is a caricature of Marilyn Monroe. So Maybe you'll get the blonde hair and the white dress, but it's not supposed to be Marilyn Monroe. Then there are other ones where it's loosely inspired, something like a smash, the NBC shows. According to Joyce Carol Oates, though, this is not a Marilyn biopic. This is a fictional book with a woman that is fictionally based on Marilyn Monroe, who married a fictional men who just kind of conformed to Marilyn's husbands. As we've seen with this movie... How do you feel about her saying this isn't a Marilyn biopic? This is just fiction. This is my thing with Joyce Carol Oates and her continuously fluctuating verbiage on this movie. First, she says, as you pointed out, this is my fictional novel. 
Marilyn, I used her basically as a muse, but I could have told this story about anyone. You know, she's just my choice. I want to just make a quick note here. I do think that's genuinely what she did in the book, that she wanted to do something about exploitation in the studio era, and she decided on Marilyn guide her on it. And now she's made this about face where she is like, oh, hey, by the way, this is actually all factual. (laughs) The biggest thing for me is it's like figure out how you want to market your book and the second adaptation off of it, Joyce. Do you want it to be completely fictional? I guess historical fiction would be the best way to describe that. Do you want your historical fictional novel and the resulting biopics? Or do you want to say there might be fictional elements, but this is all true? And she's definitely going towards the latter. It's grotesque and exploitative, and that's where she wants to live her life right now. And I would say that anybody that watches Blonde nine times out of ten does not know that it's based on a book. They're going to assume it's a straightforward Marilyn Monroe biopic. Because the facets are all there. And that's the thing that I find hilarious. Andrew Dominic did a sight and sound interview where he talked about how nobody watches Marilyn Monroe movies anymore. I have to call bullshit on that because anybody watching this movie does not need to know the basic elements of Marilyn's life to understand it because she has cultural relevance. You don't need to know who the character that Bobby Cannavale is playing to know that it's Joe DiMaggio. When Joey's Carol Oates says, oh, it's not a movie about her, it's a fictional piece. I have to say that's not true because the cursory person that knows nothing about Marilyn is going to know who those people are because of how ingrained in popular culture Marilyn Monroe is, which is why she doesn't name them in the book. They're the playwright or they're the ex-athlete is what she calls them. And they're never named in Dominic's movie. But you know who they are because you know Marilyn. You're watching this movie because you know Marilyn. I just have to take umbrage with anybody critiquing Joyce Carol Oates at this point with her response being that it's fiction. Anybody critiquing Dominic at this point saying, well, this is my treatise on how she was exploited by the industry. Because I would say that the history of Marilyn Monroe biopics on screen is about how she was exploited. You would would agree with me. There are far more exploited, offensive versions of Marilyn's story in film than there are positive and respectful ones. That's not to say that every Marilyn movie has to be sunshine and rainbows and lie about what she went through. But there are The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe, the original 2001 version of Blonde that are far more nuanced about the exploitation and the assault and the trauma that she underwent without devolving into straight-up trauma porn. That's the fly in Andrew Dominic's ointment because he's sitting there making this argument of, well, everyone needs to see the NC-17 Marilyn. This is really her, but I'm basing it off a piece of fiction, but trust me, it's really her. It's a great point to bring up, Kristen, that this is a very common mindset of, well, we're just going to show every traumatic event in her life and a lot of times we don't find it traumatic enough so we're going to add some trauma to it to make it even more show it how it was yeah well and that's joyce carol oates argument right now well i'm showing it how it was 
Marilyn couldn't speak, so I'm giving her a voice. The prime reason that Marilyn has stayed culturally relevant, and this doesn't mean this is why everyone is a fan, but the prime reason she has stayed culturally relevant is because people love the idea of her as a victim. There's so much to unpack with that, and I won't go on a whole rant, but I do think we can both agree that there's puritanical and patriarchal undertones with that. When she's portrayed on screen, she is always a victim. It just differs how much of a victim she is. I say there's always two roots with Marilyn biopics, two tried and true narratives that we tend to get, which is the exploitative version and or the story of Marilyn's life told by a man that allegedly met her or knew her or had sex with her or something. And then you get the outliers, which are actually trying to say something about the Hollywood system through Marilyn herself. I'm glad you brought up patriarchal because I'm going to say this. I'm making this very bold claim. There's a reason that we continue to perpetuate her as this chronic victim. It's because the majority of Marilyn biopics are directed by men. There have been two, two overt Marilyn biopics directed by women. Just one has been written and directed by a woman. And that is the 2001 Blonde. It is laughable at this point that men, specifically male directors, really do have this deep, deep affinity with portraying Marilyn, A, and portraying Marilyn as a victim or a sex object or something, because that's how male audiences saw her. That's how studio executives saw her. And the dude directors making these movies can't realize that they're continuing the exact same cycle. There is very much a vibe with her of, well, she was this sexy woman child. I know everyone uses that description of her. I absolutely hate the phrase woman child. It gives off pedophilic vibes to me, but it is what it is. I don't know how to describe this without getting vulgar. There's very much a love for showing her as this victim of like, well, if you act sexy like her, if you rely on your body or your looks, how she did with her career, this is what's going to happen. She's a cautionary tale. Exactly. It's a huge warning. Everything with her is always, it's a warning. It's never, hey, let's celebrate her strengths. Let's look at the people who helped her or inspired her. It's always going to be, if you do this, you are going to end up like Marilyn and you don't want to end up like her in the long run. Which I find just to be incredibly offensive because... We've come very far in our depictions and discussions about mental health and suicide at this point. And to sell Marilyn as this woman who couldn't hack it and then she killed herself. That's just an incredibly reductive way to treat anybody, let alone a celebrity, especially since we've had several prominent suicides since Marilyn that I feel been far more sensitive to than we are to Marilyn at this point. One of the big things in doing this episode was I didn't want to just bash Blonde, the 2022 version, for an hour, which I could do. But I do want to talk about some of the elements of it, especially in contrast to the 2001 version of Blonde, that I think are really worth pointing out. The 2001 version, which is not easily findable because TV movies are not preserved as well as films, But you can find the 2001 version on YouTube and other places where TV movies tend to fall. 
directed by Joyce Chopra, written by Joyce Eliason, stars. I'm still shocked that it's such a heavy hitter cast now. It was not in 2001, but Patrick Dempsey, Griffin Dunn's in there. Poppy Montgomery, who is an Australian, plays Marilyn Monroe. It's worth noticing that Andrew Dominic got $22 million to make this Marilyn movie for Netflix. I can't find any budget for Blonde, the 01, but I have every reason to believe it was far less than $22 million, probably single digits in 2001 for a TV movie. Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe, directed by Laurie Collier. I can't find any budget materials on that movie that was released by Lifetime, but I guarantee you it was probably less than $22 million. If it was double digits, it would be a miracle. I just keep wondering if a female director got even half of what a male director gets to make a Marilyn biopic, what we would get. It flummoxes me that even in 2001, yes, you can make fun of Poppy Montgomery doesn't look like Marilyn or some of the costumes look cheesy. I would take that any day for actual humanity for its subject. Most definitely. There's a lot to unpack with the source material. A lot of Marilyn fans hate the 2001 adaptation as much as the 2022, but it's because they hate the source material. But you have brought up an excellent point of how Joyce Chopra was able to portray Marilyn, make it this soft and get a nuanced performance out of Poppy Montgomery while Joyce Lyson was able to, I would say, translate. I hate saying adapting. For Joyce Carol Oates, I think we can say translate. This very grotesque in certain aspects work and make it palatable especially for a tv movie one of my big things with andrew dominic's film has been his use of these very graphic elements as a crutch versus contributing really anything to the storyline and this idea of well it needs to be portrayed or else people aren't going to feel sympathy to me is bullshit it's very a cop out of, well, I wanted to do this, and so I'm going to do it. Because with Joyce Chopper's Blonde, you very much get a lot of the same plot elements, but they are done in a nuanced way. She still portrays the rape by Daryl Zanuck. She's still able to portray it in a way that I feel sympathetic. I didn't need to see it. It's all there. And she does it from Marilyn's point of view, whereas with Andrew Dominic's point of view, it felt much more like I'm getting the view of the rapist versus any input from the victim. 